Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's Suggestible Pod, a pod where we suggest things to you, dear listener. I suggest being in full health for recording a podcast. That's oh my God, suggestion for this week. He has the man flu. Oh, it's my man's the man flu. got a cold. Have you heard that Paul Kelly song? It's brilliant. Man flu. It's you like know, an old was, school soul song, but it's funny. It's all about my man's got a bad. When I was a teacher, you cannot cough. Just a regular going, kind of cold. Someone going. You got the bloody man flu. It's bloody man flu. It's my <laughs> husband at home. He's got bloody man flu. I woke up this morning. There was just crumpled tissues all over the side of your bed. And that's not from the bloody. <laughs> no. I mean, but, more than normal. More than normal. <laughs> yeah, no, I take I've that back. Got a bit of a cold. I can't shake it. It's quite it's quite annoying because it's not enough to be like I'm in bed. So I still feel like, feel like I should do stuff, but I just feel terrible all the time. But that's okay. I normally feel terrible all I the time. I wonder why you've got a cold. Because wasn't I sick last week? Yeah, so I, I passed wonder why. It on. I wonder how that happened. It, yeah, but it, I coped so much no, better than you. It's our son. No, you don't. <laughs> you absolutely do not. You're the worst sick person My in the world. My man's got it bad. <laughs> Just a regular kind right. of cold. You should really listen to that song. Man, my man's got a cold. Uh, oh, but this podcast—it's called Suggestible, right? We suggest things we've read, watched, listened to, and whatever. Is that right? That is certainly right. Your name is James. My name is Claire, yep. and I made a rule that it's gentlemen's first. So off you go, coldy wolly. Here we go. Uh, there's a new show on Netflix. It's called Unbelievable. Oh, someone recommended that to me on Twitter. Well, good. I couldn't think <laughs> my brains are working. That's great. Um, so it's co-created by Susanna Grant, Ailet Waldman and Michael Charbon. And basically it's a series that stars uh, Caitlin Diva, who you might know from Booksmart. She's one of the, the leads in Booksmart. Uh, Merit Weaver from Nurse Jackie and Tony Collette. <gasps> I saw who this. does not need no introductions. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, so basically uh, if you want a charming, upbeat narrative, this is not it because it follows the 2008-2011 serial rape case. It's a true story happened in the United States. And basically it starts with uh, Marie, who's played by Susanna Grant. She's a, she's a college student. She's had this kind of tough upbringing, being kicked around from foster home to foster home. Someone breaks into her house and rapes her, takes a photo, says, if you tell anybody, I'm going to release this and, and, and whatever. And so she goes to the police. She tells her story multiple times as you do, and it's all these kind of detective men in your 50s. You'd love this, Mason, kind of questioning her again and again about Did you just call me Mason? Happened. Did I call you Mason? I called actually before the show the other day. I called Mason Claire. So I'm just <laughs> you're in a real I really yeah. But uh, so anyway, they start to and because of the people around her start kind of questioning her story, that kind of gets back to the cops and they force it out of her that this didn't happen and she's making it up for attention. So then the series for her spirals into she's being charged for this thing that actually happened to her, but just to make it go away. She just said that she made she made it up. Oh. So no, but like her life is ruined. Like all her friends hate her because this is a true story, by the way. It's unbelievable, Claire. <laughs> but anyway, while this is happening, 
are the t- two detectives played by Merritt Weaver and Tony Collette in somewhere else in the US of A. They're looking at all these seemingly unconnected rape cases. And because it's not a serial murderer, it's kind of the attention isn't necessarily given to them in the same way that a serial killer would. So they're piecing it all together, trying to work out, is this the same guy? Like, is this this, like some kind of playbook that, you know, has been on the internet so people know how to get away with this kind of stuff? Because the way that the guy does it is he moves from state to state so the cases aren't connected because it's under different jurisdiction. He does this thing where he takes the bed sheets so there's no DNA and all these kinds of things. So he's really good at covering his tracks. And then like, is this guy military? Is he a cop? Is he just smart? Again, it's a true story of them trying to catch this guy. And it's just a a very well-told, horrifying kind of procedural show that's super well acted. Uh, And, you know, if you like true crime and that kind of thing, it's also incredibly unsettling, obviously, as well. But there is the way the show is kind of put together and shows like the victim mentality that kind of people put on, uh, you know, people not being believed, you know what I mean? And, and. And the way that, you know, if it was, again, if it was somebody killing someone, it would, you know, it would be a different story, you know, those, all those kinds of things, even yeah. though you're still, you're ruining lives, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's yeah. so much. And I find this in the same way with Me Too and cases that come up with, you know, sexual assault. So often it's the victim that has something horrendous happen to them, but then also goes on trial and, yeah. and has to, and they, they kind of raked over the coals they have the onus is on them to speak up to say yes, something, exactly. and then also repeat their story again and again. Yeah, and then and you've got people who are like questioning. And I understand, of course, you need to get the to get, get to the bottom correct, of it, obviously, yeah. and there needs to be those kind of procedures in place. But just the way that the initial detectives come at her, as opposed to you see later victims who that went with um, Tony Collette and that approach them, it's just a completely different. Way of approaching, way of approaching it, yeah. yeah, and you can see how that makes it, how that made such a huge difference. Yeah, well, it's about empathy. Yeah, it's, it's it, right? exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, and and an understanding that every time you would retell something like that, mm. you're reliving it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and they pick up little things like, well, you said this, but in the previous one, you said it was at this time or whatever, and well, this person said that you said this, and it's just this, it's just terrible. Like it's really horrible yeah. that way that um, it destroyed this real woman's life. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, um, but it does sound like a really fascinating and important it is. show. It's to really watch. good, and it's like the performances are terrific. I mean, all those people I mentioned. I mean, oh, you know, brilliant. Tony Collette, oh, Tony Collette is great yeah. in everything. She's great in United States of Tara. Yeah, I've only seen a bit of that. Um, but yeah, she is. She does all the multiple personalities. And, yeah, I really and like her. Oh my gosh, in Muriel's Wedding. Yeah, so many, and she's a chameleon. She really I, is. Yeah. She can look really attractive and then really not. It's so fascinating. Mm. She she just changes with her hair color and her face and her mannerisms. Yeah. She really can just morph She's into amazing. so yeah. many different characters. She's a fascinating actress. Agreed. Mm, or actor, I should say. All right, thank you for unbelievable, excellent. It's unbelievable, except okay. it's very believable. Well, really there you happened. go. This is quite a serious episode. We've got a few serious recommendations. My next, my second one is very uplifting. All right, okay, excellent. Mine are all quite serious. So the first one is the Testaments by Margaret Atwood. Oh yes, yes. So I'm an interview so with her the other excited. Day, yeah. So the Testaments is the sequel to her first novel, The Handmaid's Tale. You know, hugely popular. It's her most important novel, though she's also well known for her poetry and other books 
books. She's written children's books as well. She's just yeah. this prolific author. I watched an interview with her last night with Lee Sales, who's a Your journalist. Hero, one Sales. of my heroes, who's sort of one of the preeminent journalists in Australia. She <laughs> does the Seventh Letter Report, but also one of my favourite podcasts, Chat 10 Looks 3. And in that, Margaret Atwood talked a lot about how she decided in this book, instead of writing from the character Offred, so if you haven't watched the TV show or read the book, um, The Handmaid's Tale is set in a fictional kind of, what would you call, dystopia? Dystopian future, yeah. Dystopian future. But not so no. distant so from you, the, the no, bloody world no. we currently live in. Um, so it's called Gilead. Basically, women's rights have been completely stripped. Something has happened to the, to the earth where obviously it feels like it's happening now. Nothing will grow and women's fertility rates have dropped hugely. But is it the women? Is it? Who knows? Kind of the, the implication, implication that possibly that it's, it's actually the men. Yeah. Well, anyway, so women's roles are then made really kind of traditional. So there are women who are handmaids who are basically sex slaves, yep. forced to carry children for the wives of commanders. Yeah, like forced surrogacy. Yeah, yeah mm. correct. Exactly. And it really, The Handmaid's Tale follows the story of Offred, who in the TV show is played by Elizabeth Moss. Yes. Brilliantly, um, may I say so. You may. Um, yeah, thank you. There's also another character called Aunt Lydia who is an aunt. So the aunts kind of rule the women's realm. So commanders yes. and men really have all the power in this society. However, the aunts have as much power as as women can in Gilead. Obviously, Canada is, is free of that kind of oppression. So it, the story is fascinating because it shows what can happen when um, power is exploited when people's religious and political beliefs sort of morph and twist and then become just and people also <sighs> kind of horrible. sit back and like apathy, let things I guess. happen yeah, apathy. Like, yeah that's a huge bad part of be? it yeah exactly so they explore the film in the tv show and in the in the novel as well how it happens and yes. how people were sort of ignoring what was happening on the news until one day Elizabeth Moss's character Offred tries to go and pay for something in a shop. Her cards declined and then it yes. turns out that she now no longer can hold money or or employment and she has to be beholden to her husband. And in the story it goes as far to say even if you are unmarried that means that potentially your nephew, so the closest male relative to you, would then have all – hold all your yes. income and um, be responsible for you as a woman, which is also terrifying because everything that happens in uh, Margaret Atwood's first novel, The Handmaid's Tale, was based on historical events that have happened to women either over time or even in the present day and yes. still continue to happen to women. Women can't drive, they can't hold jobs, they're not allowed to read, mm. which has all things which are still happening today, they're seen purely there for procreation. So that in itself is terrifying. Margaret Atwood talks in her novel The Testaments, which I just read, which I loved, about how she couldn't re-find the voice of Offred. So instead she writes the novel from a few different voices, one of which is Baby Nicole, which is Offred's second daughter that she has and um, who in the TV show, spoiler alert, is taken out of um, Gilead and put into safety in Canada. Mm -hmm. The second voice is actually Aunt Lydia, who is one of the most powerful women in Gilead and is responsible for a huge number of atrocities and killings and stonings and you know, Wine, really washing. Yeah, washing exactly. Away, yeah. Just horrendous acts to keep the handmaids in control, basically. But that's really fascinating because she really fleshes out Aunt, Lydia, Aunt Lydia's backstory. Yeah. Um, she was a, a judge but and what you how told, it happens. Tell me about it. It's 
it seems more interesting than what they did in the, the TV it's series. Much more the interesting. The TV series, she was kind of a, a pretty conservative teacher and that's yeah. really kind of the extent of it. Yeah, and she's also yeah. kind of seen as quite weak in yeah. a way. She falls in love the with the principal. And the way that she kind of switches isn't as dramatic dramatic as what you said happens in the book. No. Which I won't spoil. But I yeah. won't spoil. Mm. But, yeah, in the book they really go into it. They see how she then decides to use the power, the limited power that she has to manipulate things for yeah. Gilead. And I won't spoil any more of it, but that in itself alone is so worth it. It's not just about power, the power of men and how they use their power, but also this book focuses heavily on how women use their power in whatever capacity they have. Do you think, um, um, I haven't read the first book. Do you think I could just Jump straight to this one if I've definitely, seen the series. Definitely, particularly because okay, yeah. you've seen the series. Okay. Yeah, you definitely can. You know, you know all the characters. The third character is actually, and this is revealed quite early on, her first daughter. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so that's really interesting too because her first daughter is ta- – Offred's daughter is taken from her yes. and put with a family in Gilead and raised in that way. So she doesn't even know that her mother was a handmaid mm. initially in the story. So that's kind of the three voices that come through. And it's all kind of written – as if from the future looking back at Gilead and like the report, phenomenon yeah. of Gilead. Yeah, yeah, so they're kind of witness statements like and letters. Like for those people who've read. Yeah, that. so yeah. that's how – and I would really recommend that. So that's The Testaments by Margaret Atwood. I'm so excited. Such a good book. I'm surprised he I'm, – I'm not surprised it took so long because the first one was from the 80s, wasn't it, I guess, with the popularity of the series. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really great also that it came back and it's equally good as well because often – you know, people try to revisit these things and it's like, uh, Well, I think that's yeah. why she'd never written a sequel because yeah. she said she could not recapture the voice of Offred. So she doesn't even try. Yeah. She right. said it, it took her a long time to find a way to re-enter that world. Yes. And so this is how she does it. So I, I think that was one of the reasons she said she waited so long. Another reason she said was that in the 80s, this was kind of written in the same way that 1985 yeah, was, was written, written right? 50s, yeah. yeah, exactly, where this it's kind of preposterous future, yeah. future where as she said, now the world feels like it's become it's sort of coming closer and closer to so, a potential well, Gilead. Even when the Handmaid's Tale started, it was like it was less kind of like realistic than it, than it has been now. It's been gone three or four years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So exactly. So she mm. said it's been such an interesting time. I remember watching The Handmaid's Tale, and there's a scene in there where Offred sees her daughter again, who was ripped from her, yes. um, and her daughter is six, and then they're torn apart again and it's absolutely heartbreaking mm. and it's incredible the way that Elizabeth Moss portrays this um, moment. But at the same time that aired, all of the problems that were happening, well, that are still occurring in the yeah. US at the um, Mexican borders and, you know, families and children being separated. And then do you remember the audio that and- was released? Yes. Of children that were crying in detention yep. for their parents. You see the image of Mike Pence standing next to the yeah, people exactly. in cages. Yeah. So that audio of the children crying was so vivid and it happened in the exact week that, that episode dropped. And it just made you feel so terrified. Yeah. Okay, this episode is becoming really dark. Don't worry, I'm, I'm going I'm um, to brighten things up there. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
All right. Okay. So anyway, I highly recommend reading yep. The Handmaid's Tale as well, watching the TV show and The Testaments. However, it is heavy going. So if you do not want that in your life, what's, go listen yeah, to Lizzo instead. The, or watch the series Unbelievable about the serial rape case between <laughs> oh, 2000 and Go watch know. Younger. And cheer yourself up. Cheer yourself up. Here's something that will cheer you up. This is a comic that I've just gone into and I love it. It's called Die, as in D-I-E, as in death. Great. Okay, this episode is <laughs> so dark and awful. Nah, this is a good one. I mean, it is bleak, but it's it's like fantasy. So basically, it's our writer Kieran uh, Gilliat, uh, Gillen and artist Stephanie Hans, a very well-regarded uh, comic book people working with comic books. Right. And this, uh, this has been described, this comic has been described by uh, Gillen as goth Jumanji. So he needs to kind of quickly pitch it to somebody because basically it's a what – it, what he says here is it's a pitch black fantasy where a group of 40-something adults have to deal with returning to the unearthly horror they barely survived as, teen, as teenagers in a role-playing game. So we're in the, it starts in the early 90s and they get sucked into this Jumanji-style role-playing game and they're in there for two years and they're adventuring and sword fighting and killing people and whatever and they're injured themselves and all these traumas and fun and adventure and then they get out, right? Except one of them doesn't. One of them gets stuck in there and then when they're in their 40s, they go back in and the guy's still there. He's been there for 20 years and on top of that, they've got they've been divorced and they've got children and they've been traumatized and one of them's missing an arm because when they came out, they lost an arm and in, in the whatever. So And there's all these also, so there's the real world consequences, but then when they're back in there, some love it because they feel like they're young and fit again in the way that you can't be in the real world. And also people don't consider it. Some of them don't consider it to be real. So there's no kind of consequences, but maybe there are at the same time. Is it some kind of afterlife? Like what, what exactly is this thing? And it's also all of the things that they adventuring that they did 20 years prior has now come around. So a lot of those consequences come back because one of the characters has somebody return one of her powers is that she can say something and someone will have to do it and this person that was in love with her made her promise that she would i know you're, you're kind of tuning out but <laughs> no, would, could you, you t- <laughs> i have told you this before haven't i as well uh made the promise that i'll you know i have to see you again so now this person and then this person approaches her 20 years later but died some 17 years before that. And since then the eyes have rotted out of their head. So they can't actually fulfill this promise, this curse that was put upon. Yeah. Them. So all these consequences keep kind of so there's rolling There's like a rotting again. zombie yes. la- version of her love. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. That, it, I'm it, so sorry, listeners. We've really taken this into nah, some mate, seriously it's fine. Dark. It's how I feel inside today so you can all <laughs> feel like me. Uh, so it's Stephanie Hans is, like I said, does the art. And the art, I haven't seen a comic that looks this good in a long time. And it's it's like seven issues in as of so far, and it's terrific. It's I think it's the best comic I've read this wow, year. That's a probably big call. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a super big Dungeons and Dragons guy. I know a little bit about it, but if you probably know more about it than me, you might get more out of it. But that being said, I'm a wizard. I'm a goblin. Let's fight. Yeah, it's that's a bit like that. Yeah, D&D but you, at the same time, you don't need to know any of that kind of going in going into this. Anyway, check out Die. Cool. All those people that I said. Sounds good, what doesn't it, What an uplifting tale. I love uplifting all right. tales. Okay, speaking of uplifting tales, I am now going to talk about another book this week. I'm all about the books recently. I hate books, Claire. Um, this one is called, it's a quarterly essay, actually, that comes out in Australia oh, all the time, quarterly, called Men at Work by Annabelle Crabb, who just happens to be the other half of Chat 10 Looks 3, which is one of my favourite podcasts. She is Why a journalist you her if you love and her so much, writer Claire. in Australia. She is hilarious and 
witty and intelligent. She does a lot of writing on it's politics terrific. and culture. Yeah. She does a lot of brilliant shows as well. Cabinet Kitchen show, yeah. Cabinet where she cooks with politicians and just manages to get – Makes them relatable a, even though they're all terrible. Yeah. yeah. She's just brilliant. She does lots of fantastic stuff. She's also written a lot of cookbooks as well, special guest being one of them, which is an excellent one. Anyway, this quarterly essay was fascinating. Her first book, The Wife Drought, which I also loved, looks at women at work in Australia and why it is that even though they make up, you know, more than men in terms of graduates coming out of university, they end up in managerial roles, but then they're not represented anywhere near the top echelon of CEOs yes. in Australia and why that is. And it's that was a really fascinating read as well, just talking the tagline is women need li- wives and men need lives. So she talks uh, how if women had wives to look after their children and clean their houses for them, how much more they could get done and then the, kind of the impediments for women. Isn't that called a servant or a maid <laughs> yes. or a housekeeper? Yeah, I mean because 50 years ago in Australia, if you were a woman in the public service like your mother was, mm. you just lose your job. That's right, yeah. And, because and all your you're super seen, and everything. Yeah, and, yeah, and all your entitlements because you're seen to be taking the job of a man in inverted commas. Um, and so how how far things have come for women in terms of us, us being included in public debate, being included in leadership roles and in the workforce. Men at Work deals with the other side of it, which is that even though – Great Australian band. Even though women's roles have changed immensely in the last 50 years, men's roles have pretty much stayed the same, particularly when it comes to work. And I guess I would love to hear your perspective on this as well, right? Well, I have started to read this. It was It's really super interesting. Uh, well, I guess I have a unique perspective because you were saying from the graph that you were like, look at this graph. And I'm like, I can't be looking at so graphs So here's right the graph. Oh. I just want to talk a little bit about this graph. So it's done by the Commonwealth of Australia, CC. Basically, it shows what happens to a father and a mother. This is like obviously same-sex couples is a different um, kettle of fish altogether, but this is sure. for – these kind of gendered roles, a father and a mother when a child is born, right? Ready. So for a man, their work life does not change. The hours, See that there, the employment? The hours that they do a week is about 45 hours, right? Does not change. Right. This is the majority of Australians, right? For women, it plummets, see? So it starts at about 35 hours, 40 hours a week, drops right down and barely recovers, like it might get up to like half the amount of hours that she yeah. used to do before she had kids. Yeah, a lot of people being like, I'm going back part-time or I'm going back whatever. Yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And that's up until their child is at least 12, right? What happens with that then is that women end up at the end of their life with less super, yep. less entitlements, and also it means that to climb in their you know career progression, they're held back from being able to do that as well because they've dropped so significantly out of the workforce. Yes. The other kind of things on this graph are interesting too. For parenting and childcare, for men when it starts at zero, it kind of goes up to mm, 15 hours a week for them and kind of peters off and dribbles down from there. Dribbles right down. Whereas women for parenting and childcare skyrockets up to 45 hours a week and kind of tapers off but not really so much and still ends up being more than men even when their child is 12. Yeah. Then the, the most depressing one is if you look at housework, right? Right. So men on average in Australia do 15 hours of housework a week, a week right? Okay. What do you think happens when they have a child? I don't know, Claire. I'm imagining it probably increases exponentially and <laughs> it all works out evenly. All right. It does not change. What, Claire? It does not change. Whereas, so that's housework, right? The amount of cooking, cleaning, washing, mopping, mm. vacuuming, 
et cetera, et cetera, house maintenance. It doesn't change. Men do the same. Yeah. Basically. Uh, whereas for women, what do you think happens? I don't a lot more, obviously. Yeah, obviously. It skyrockets. Yes. It skyrockets. Thanks for describing a graph. It's yes. super entertaining. <laughs> well, you looked at it there. So basically what it is saying is when women have babies, their lives are turned upside down and really never quite ever restore back to the status quo. For men in general, on paper anyway, with those three things, nothing really yes. changes that much. But for those who are thinking, man, this sounds like a big old man-hating man No, it's not set. at all. It's actually not because... Well, it is. No, no. because there, uh, this book, from what I've read, talks about there is lack of opportunity for men to be at home. And it's not only expectations, but it's just the way the system is Yeah, is so it, yeah. interestingly, in the US, there's um, precedent for men to be able to, because there's obviously unpaid parental leave that they can take in the US up to 12 weeks, which is also the only OECD country that still does not have paid parental leave is the US. Interesting. Australia only just got it recently. Yes. It's 18 weeks at minimum wage a few years ago. Um, so we were the second last country in the OECD. Cool. Yeah, I know. Depressing. But interestingly, in the US, there are cases where because parental leave can be technically taken by the primary carer, mm. which could be either a man or a woman, but it's kind of goes unsaid that really it's the mother. And the expectations are in workplaces that women will take it. Women are okay to work part-time and flexibly, but if men ask, generally the answer is no or their career is hindered. Yes. And there's a lot of research gone in to show that men also feel that as well. They feel like they shouldn't be asking because it's about it's kind of like asking your boss for time out, time yeah, out, well, we've time had, off. We've, we've, got a couple, we've got a friend who's a cop who was talking about reducing hours or didn't want a particular promotion. What was it again? I can't remember. Yeah, it was that or what yeah, it was yeah. was didn't want to go for a yes. promotion because at the time it would have been long yeah. hours and, and he was like, just about to have a baby. And he was like, Isn't your wife at home or whatever? What do you care? Just do it. Like, yeah, exactly. Or yeah. another friend whose partner is a lawyer mm. and she wanted to go and work full time and he wanted to stay home with the kids, but when he was when he asked to do part time at his job, they just flang, flat out yeah, said no. They just don't do it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So interestingly in the US there has been precedent where people have sued their employees and one to say that they should be as a man just as entitled to get paid parental leave as a woman yes. but in Australia there are no cases because legislatively mm. there's a clause that says that women that men can be discriminated against so if they ask for paid parental leave they are not necessarily yeah, no, going to be yeah. granted it and, and it, there's and and legally they can be discriminated against because they're not a woman and all of this obviously comes from top down because again from the limited Part that I've read of it, read of it. They talk about. She talks about at the start how the difference between when Jacinta Arden had a baby and Scott Morrison Our had prime a baby. Minister, had, yeah. had a, she's the New Zealand Prime Minister, and now there was a lot of questions like how she was going to do it and who's going to look after the baby. But when he did it, was just like the expectation was, well, yeah, his wife was going to do it. So obviously, the people who are putting these policies in place. Ollie, relax. We're talking about paid parental leave being equal across all fields. <laughs> yeah. The expectation is that yeah. men will have wives that will just look after yes. kids, which means that when men have children, their career yeah. prospects actually skyrocket. And for women, it's seen to be the yeah. opposite. So I, I, know, I, yeah. know, I know a lot of people, like a lot of my friends who have kids want to be at home or at least want to split it. So they do six months and their partner does six months and or do, do some variation on that or part-time and whatever. But it's not necessarily an option. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. it's not the lack of people wanting to do it. I know, because that's kind of one of the tropes around the traps in Australia is that, oh, why would men want to do that kind of unpaid work? You know, why would they yeah. want to spend time with their families, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> 
Exactly. But I think it's about having the option and trying to yes. figure out what works right for your family. Who wouldn't want to be at home? Being at home is yeah. the best thing in the world. But I think part of the problem is this whole idea of a primary carer and secondary carer. Yeah. So primary carers seem to be the mother and the secondary carer is the father when really, I mean, the way that we look after our son is pretty much 50-50. We don't. 50-50. Where is he right now? Doesn't <laughs> Who matter. knows? But, you know, I mean, we're very lucky in that we, we work are. together from home. Very yeah. unique situation. But one of the things that I think really makes a big difference that Annabelle Grab talks about, and I thought this was so interesting, the chance of a man being much more involved in his children's lives in general, being better at caring for them, helping out more with the housework, being more of a hands-on dad – all can be traced back to how much time they spend at the newborn stage with their child. So in Australia at the moment, there's this kind of like two weeks of dad leave basically that often women will take a year off, men will get two weeks of dad leave to kind of chuff off to the chemist and, I don't know, order the takeaway, like feed their daughter or son at night and then they chuff back off to work full time and that's it. In that crucial stage Contrary to popular belief, nobody really knows what the hell to do with a baby when no. they first you get arrive given in something the world. You've never had before. Exactly, and, you, and like, women don't have some like like crazy like knowledge bomb. Well, some good mothers do, Claire. <laughs> you you didn't have that, but that is true. But better people than you did. <laughs> true. No, but you know, obviously, no, there's know, breastfeeding, yeah. all those things that come into play, and and some women will love it more than others. Some some men will love it more than others. Yeah, all of those of things. Everyone's situation is different. However, there is research to show. If men are around in those crucial first couple, first six weeks, first eight weeks, when you're both learning how to change nappies and feed your baby and endless they see washing and, endless yeah. washing, and they see how hard it is, they're therefore way more likely to be more hands on, more involved, and do more housework. So you're saying make them do it. No, I'm saying give men the option yes, to be yeah. able to be involved yeah. with their children. There's a really beautiful quote at the end, and I know we're running out of time, so I just want to read this little quote from a guy. Um, his name is Hammond, and he talks a lot about... John Hammond? Yeah, John Hammond. Creator of Jurassic Park. Correct, exactly. Oh, my God. His his actual name is Tim Hammond. He's a Perth barrister um, who was a politician in Labor and was thought to be possibly be Labor's next prime minister, potentially. And recently, quite controversially, he stood down from parliament because he said it just wasn't working with the crazy hours with his young family and he could no longer do it. He missed his kids. And this is what he said. I don't think blokes lose any of their desire to add value to the family home, but we still take this caveman approach. We still haven't got through our heads that our true value isn't what it used to be 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago in terms of being the breadwinner. Our main way of being of value isn't to be this old-fashioned breadwinner being out of the house for 40 hours a week. It's to be present with our kids and our partner if we're lucky enough to have one. It's taking us forever to work that out. Once more of us work that out, the more acceptable it will be to get on the front foot and say, this is what I want. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, obviously that's not everybody in the world, no. but I thought that was interesting. Some people hate their kids and want to go to work. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. <laughs> no, I just think there's, you know, I think being able to. Yeah, you want the choice. Be the choice. Yeah, yeah have it flexible or both be primary carers and be involved with or Whatever kids. works for your particular situation. Correct, exactly. And everyone be kind to themselves because parenting is a friggin' hard but thing to do. But the easiest thing to do is just don't have kids. That's <laughs> well, the that- answer in a lot of ways. <laughs> True. Anyway, oh, that's the show, isn't that's it? That's the though? show. Yeah. 
look, if you want to reach the show, Suggestible Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We've probably got a Facebook, do we? I don't know. No, we don't have a Facebook. Well, Planet Broadcasting has a Facebook somebody group. Set, somebody set that up. All right. Somebody's not me. Uh, and then also, you can send us a review. You can do it right on your app. You can, if you've got an iTunes, you open it up. You give it a bloody five star if you want to, just like this person. This is Svelte Not Skinny says, wonderful and light. Well, not today, but a wonderful mix of banter between a couple <laughs> that obviously cares deeply about each other and some great suggestions. Aw, who was that? That was from Svelte Not Skinny. Svelte Not Skinny. That's an ideal situation. Svelte Not Skinny sounds terrific. I oh, know. Well done. Thanks, Like mate. a dolphin as opposed to a stick. <laughs> All right. Now, this is a recommendation which you can tweet at us at SuggestiblePod or Instagram. Why do I do that says... I have a suggestible for Mrs. Sunday Movies. If you've never watched Broad City, it's a weird, wacky comedy about two women living in New York City. I don't know why I said it like that. New York City. New York. Where's my spaghetti? Forget about it. (laughs) Get me a pizza. Get me a yellow cab. (laughs) (laughs) There's the Empire State Building. Yeah. This doesn't sell it, but forget about it. That was the bit. It's like this. Forget about it. It's like that. <laughs> you got to do it more like that. If this doesn't sell it, I don't know what will because it's one of the funniest shows I've ever watched. Well, I agree. I've, I've seen every Broad episode. City. I've seen every, and it. I use the gifs on Instagram. Uh, ah, yeah. brilliant. But it. if you it's haven't watched show. it, do When's it. that last season? Is it out yet? Or is it's it already, already been out, mate. Then I'm behind on Broad City. You are so behind. Yeah. Okay. I'm not. Well, that's a good reminder. Thank you. Yes, queen. Yeah, yes, I hate, queen. I hate that. <laughs> yes, I hate it. Yeah, I know. I hate it, Claire. But I love it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, um, everybody just <laughs> everybody just shut up for a minute. I just got to lie down. <laughs> just, just oh yeah, go listen to that. My give, man's got a call. Give me a minute. Just give me a goddamn minute, everyone. Thanks, Collings, for editing. Thanks, Collings. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's, it's up to you. 